hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We ha now have officially as many episodes as the NWA has been years in existence at good old 75. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is Fred. I don't want a lot for Christmas. I just want a new champion, Moreland. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, I can only assume we're equally as important as the NWA uh, in the history of wrestling. So uh, congratulations to us. Uh, who did Luthez ever beat? Well, he, I can tell you one guy he did not beat. He did not beat Kenny Omega. But one thing that has That's Kenny right. Omega down, unfortunately, is the same thing that had Brock Lesnar down during his UFC run, diverticulitis. He was hospitalized last week after... Uh, that really weird promo on dynamite where he just kind of felt it explains it. a lot. <laughs> it really does. Um, diverticulitis is a really, really brutal, um, gastrointestinal disease. Um, it can be fixed. I don't know if it can be cured. Um, you can at the very least manage it. So, um, all the best to Kenny and hopefully that it, things aren't too bad for him. Because I have I have a friend uh, who's dealt with it, and we, you and I have a mutual friend that has also dealt with it, and it's it's a it's an absolutely brutal thing. Um, and all the best to him. And at, on the same note, um, CJ Perry had to miss both a collision and a CMLL date because she had an infection in her finger. And I'll spare the, a lot of the graphic details, but her finger looked like it was about to blow up like Wiley e. Coyote. It was it was very very bad, and yeah. all accounts seem to be that her finger is going to be fine. Uh, she had an infection that was running up her arm, and then that can get really really dangerous. Um, yes, and it can get dangerous really really fast. So it seems like everything is good, which is phenomenal. And apparently, she was already released from the hospital, which is even better. All the mm -hmm. best to both of them in their recovery. Yeah, a couple quick notes uh, just uh, on this one. Um, CJ, uh, she, well, I'll go with Kenny first. Uh, Kenny will probably have to manage his diet the rest of his life, or at least for quite a while. Uh, I am from what I understand. Um, so, you know, but he should be recovering soon. I don't know exactly how long it'll keep him out. Probably over a month at a minimum. Um, so hoping that, you know, obviously the best for both of them, CJ, um, posted you know about her being discharged from the hospital this morning or actually it was um 
Yeah, well, I guess technically it was this morning because 4 a.m. is this morning. Um, she, uh, yeah, her finger got jacked up. Uh, she also posted a video of herself vomiting. <laughs> um, I don't know why you would do that, but she sure did. So if you want to see CJ with a floor full of vomit on Instagram, go for that. But, you know, uh, I don't know 100% for sure why she would have posted that. My theory is people didn't believe her that or the trolls were coming after saying she oh, was probably yeah. so she just like yeah hey how about this vomit buddy probably that makes sense i'll be honest i would have the done internet that. is awful i would have absolutely done that like i, yeah. I people like kind of got on me after like i said that i almost died from my appendix and i'm like yeah. i have a picture of the actual wound right after they stapled it and i'm like Oh, I should just post this for the whole world. And I haven't done that. <laughs> oh, that's um, a plus. Uh, now, I do want to mention something because I talked about this with my wife, uh, doctor wife, and uh, uh, the wife that is a doctor. And, uh, you know, I don't like this shit because there's a reason I did not become a physician because I don't want to touch or look at this stuff. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you saw the pictures of her finger post-surgery where it just looked like somebody took you know a tiny chainsaw to it uh the reason for like the crisscross incision is my uh, per my understanding um is um basically uh that is done to try to uh retain mobility of the finger because if i guess if you just do like a straight vertical thing uh it can lead to scarring along the knuckles and that can limit just how much you can move your finger after the fact so uh they do that kind of zigzag uh incision style to limit that some um and also uh some of the photos actually show a wick in the wound uh which will help remove pus from the uh the wound so uh, um, explain this wick is it almost like a drainage tube essentially yeah uh i i don't know the exact uh substance of it again refer to previous statements about human body being gross i don't want to look when you said them. wick i'm like oh hell yeah let's let's light cj's finger up and let's blow it out with a birthday wish let's go well it kind of looks like that already happened uh but yeah <laughs> they're called wicks um and uh yeah they're just uh i guess they're just kind of little absorbent uh strips you can use in wounds to uh you know wick away uh fluid including you know pus um but yeah it's great she's being discharged uh, it's great she got treatment if you uh yeah don't uh let an infection travel up your arm because if that starts to happen that's that's very bad uh please seek medical attention mm-hmm. um also the previous information was not medical advice if you're having a medical emergency contact 911 for your local equivalent um I, I hate that I have to include that, but I am technically a uh, pharmacist. Um, but yeah, um, I'm glad they're both doing better. Um, there are lots of gross photos on CJ's Instagram. Um, I don't like this stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, let's let's graciously move on. Um, let's talk about money. Yeah. Mercedes Monet has reportedly wanted more money than Charlotte just signed for WWE. FIFA had reported that Charlotte signed a contract maker, one of the highest paid women in company history. Um, And I believe she would be the highest paid on air talent 
in uh, company history with the only people being paid more are on the board. Um, and momentum does feel like Monet will be returning to WWE rather than going to AEW at this point, but things can obviously change. Of course you should want more money because I, on the flagship, you know, uh, Rich and Joe talked about it and Joe described it as like, it's like quarterbacks in the NFL. One guy signs for X amount. The other guy's going to get a little bit more. And that's a constant Kirk cousins. At one point was the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. He got beat like two weeks later by Matt Ryan. Like the highest paid quarterback in NFL history right now is Joe Burrow. And then it was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he got a modified contract um, pretty much like a week or two after Burrow signed his. Like this happens. So uh, obviously she was such a ratings mover for WWE and was such a positive impact on their financials. Like it would be smart to bring her back and it would also be smart to bring her back. So AEW, if they actually do sign her, can't have her and be able to spark their women's division. Like, let's be honest, the women's division needs that kind of spark right now. Um, that, I, I think this is pretty much an on story. Yeah, I mean, she wants a lot of money. Not a surprise. Um, I do, exp- the more meaningful thing is, I, I mean, you know, just my personal opinion here, but it feels like the momentum is uh, definitely pointing towards her going back to WWE rather than return- uh, signing with AEW. Um, I think that uh, that just kind of, you know, if they haven't got her pinned to paper yet, it feels like it's leading that way. I guess we'll see. Um, you know, it could be, it could be wrong. It could be something that they've signed months ago. Um, but I don't know. I just get the feeling that uh, it's not, uh, it's not turning that way. That's just my take. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, this is a potentially big deal. Warner Brothers Discovery discussing a potential merger with Paramount Global. Now, Paramount uh, owns CBS, and obviously they have Paramount Plus, which is one of, in my opinion, the better streaming services on the market. You can watch your CBS affiliate on there, which, let me tell you, somebody who's who only does streaming and cut the cord, kicks ass. I love it. Um, that could also mean, theoretically we could see um, AEW pay-per-views on Paramount. We could see AEW shows and the back catalog on Paramount plus. Now this is all extremely hypothetical because these merger talks have just begun, but it's important to understand what the ramifications could be for all elite wrestling, because being able to get the back catalog on a streaming service, tremendous. So I'm very intrigued to kind of see how this all works out manifests. Um, in the meantime, what do you think? Something to keep an eye on. Um, I, I'll be pretty curious uh, about just how much more debt this thing, this causes, uh, if any, for the, the future company, if they go through with it. Um, it's, uh, I, I think, uh, when Warner Brothers Discovery was, uh, formed, they, it, it took a lot of debt to get there, and uh, that's kind of a common thing um, with modern mergers, and then these companies try to dig out from their uh, debt, and it doesn't always work well. So, yeah, um, uh, just, you know, I, I think I saw that Meltzer said, and this is secondhand, so I could be wrong here, because I've had a chance to listen to him this week, uh, that uh, this is not expected to affect either AEW or WWE. We'll see, you know, um, 
uh, if if that's the case, then I assume that any hypothetical merger would result with Warner Brother, Brother Discovery uh, current board, current execs uh, holding the power once it's done. Um, but yeah, um, it feels like these two groups uh, would do well merging together um, just because there is, uh, you know, um, a It could, uh, you know, it would probably give them a, a leg up in the field. No, 100%. Um, I'm very intrigued to kind of see what happens here. But the big thing is, it's going to be a wait-and-see game because it's it's so new, it's so early, and things could just collapse tomorrow. Um, just remember the story behind Bischoff trying to buy WCW. That that just all of a sudden you get a phone call and say it's done, it's over. Like stuff like that happens in the business world a lot. So while it may make sense and while X, Y, and Z could happen, it could also fall apart. So we'll monitor and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, other news, more rate uh, injury news. Fred Bandito unfortunately had to have a second surgery on his wrist. He said it was successful. I believe Fred, you told me that it was a. Um, it was an infection that developed from the first surgery. Yeah, that- I, th- I think that's correct. I apologize if that is not. That's what's in my brain, and, you know, it's imperfect, so. But, yeah, uh, apparently he needed a, a follow-up corrective surgery after his first one for breaking his wrist against uh, Takeshita way back in, I think it was June. Um, and, uh, he, it, you know, he said there were three options, uh, but basically two of them were surgeries, and the third one would have basically kind of messed up his arm for life if he, you know, tried to rehab it and work through it. So I'm glad he didn't go the Tanahashi route. Um, I, you know, and hopefully he'll be able to recover healthily from this one and uh, get back in the ring soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, all the best to Bandito because Bandito absolutely rules and we need more of him in AEW. Let's talk about ratings, Fred. Collision. I want to point, yeah, real quick before you say the numbers, I want to point out this is why I say never read too much into one number. Yes, um, you have to look at it from a uh, from a trend perspective. Um, now, ratings. Collision. Had its best overall audience since October 28th and had its best demo since October 21st. And it went head-to-head with an NFL game, Broncos versus Lions. But it was on NFL Network, which is in significantly less homes than any three-letter network on uh, network television and ESPN. But it still did a 457,000, a .15. Look, it also went up, uh, they also went up against NXT Deadline the prior week, and they did good. I think we're at a point where collision, unless you're looking at a true WWE pay-per-view, is going to be fine. And I also think that the shift back to restore the feeling is making a major impact on it as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's a factor. But you know, all in all, that's uh, that's good. That's that's strong. Uh, that's a that's good. You know, performance in the ratings. And then we'll turn around to dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. Oh, Dynamite rating. It was interesting. Last week they did, I think it was 860 and a point three. This week, 782 and a 0.26. Lowest overall since uh October 25th and the third lowest demo of the year. 
I have not seen the broadcast numbers. And if you could pull them up, that'd be wonderful, Fred, because I was not watching Dynamite Live because I was watching the Survivor finale, which is still one of the biggest draws on television on an overall level, Survivor. Um, if I wouldn't be shocked if the Survivor finale did like 8 to 10 million. The rap says uh, they were at 4.5 million. That's still a hefty number. Yeah. Like 4.5 million viewers, and especially because we're talking Christmas time and all these other factors of people doing stuff. I really don't see this as a bad number, uh, especially because after the strong number they put out last week, like I was one of those people who was watching Survivor and wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if there were a lot of others like me too. I did watch Dynamite though. Uh, I was a good boy this week. Um, hey, good, good. I know, but yeah, it's proud it's, of you. I'm, I'm proud of me too, Fred. I really am. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see this as an issue. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I'm not really too moved by either number, you know, Honestly, when I think of AEW ratings, it's basically like the uh, there's an old GIF of uh, impact uh, TNA's ratings back about 14 years ago, how they would never move from 0.9 and 1.0. And it was just this GIF of all these ridiculously, you know, ridiculous events and, you know, rating 0.9. Um, that's kind of where AEW is right now. They, uh, they've stagnated over the past, you know, however many months and uh, they're down from last year. And uh, but not like continuing to free fall. They're just where they are. And, you know, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about, but I don't think there's really too much worth celebrating in general. So. Yeah, it's I'm not celebrating this number, but I, I think it's objectively fine. You yeah, know what else yeah. is objectively fine, Fred? There's a Ring of Honor women's television title. Mm, is that objectively fine? <laughs> I'm not going to bury it until I see what they do with it, but it just feels like a, it, it feels like a poor decision. Yeah. I'm not real excited about it. Uh, Cause the current women's division uh, is not doing great outside of Athena in ring of honor. Um, and honestly, the finish of the main event from the last uh, the fi- final battle uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know why you would build uh, Starks up like that and then have her lose. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear that it was time to to move Athena on to something bigger and better, but no, nah, she's just still Ring of Honor Women's Champion with no one really built to beat her for it. So they could change that, obviously. And honestly, of the three women's belts uh, that are currently crowned, uh, hers has been had the best picture, I think, over the past half year, but Still, you know, I'm not super hyped, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's the big thing. Um, all right. Will Ospreay's last Rev Pro match will be on February 18th in 2024. Obviously, he is signed to an All Elite Wrestling contract, but it is not exclusive. Um, obviously, uh, AEW is going to have priority. Um, with Ring, with uh, Will Ospreay's bookings, but he said he was going to really calm down after the 2023 calendar year, and nobody can blame him. Um, what's really interesting here is Will Ospreay said he was going to leave Rev Pro with the belt, um, and if he leaves Rev Pro with the belt, that could really bring some fascinating elements to uh, All Elite Wrestling and get some more crossover, maybe get some AEW younger talents on Rev Pro shows. I, I think this could be really interesting. 
Yeah, um, it's you know uh, definitely kind of a break point for Rev Pro just to see what happens. Uh, could lead to some good stuff, and uh, you know, hopefully they're able to capitalize on that. Um, but something to watch if you're uh, definitely into the British scene or anything with that. Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued. Well, we'll find out because Rev Pro's production's weird, but it's really good wrestling. Um, speaking of really good wrestling, Ray Phoenix. He's been pulled from a January 5th match at Prestige Wrestling versus Samurai Del Sol, and he's been replaced with Leo Rush. Still a good match with him and Samurai, but it would have been cool to see Phoenix in that spot. Uh, it appears he's still healing up from, I believe it was a back injury, among other things. He just got banged the hell up when he uh, accidentally won and then lost the uh, international championship. Um, so, unfortunate, but uh, you know, hopefully he'll uh, recover soon. Yeah. Um, we'll find out uh, kind of what, what, excuse me, what his timetable is. This is a, oh, quite you good weird. after that. <laughs> no, I am not good, Fred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of, Zach Zodiac worked a dark match recently, and if you never heard the name, it's the brother of Soraya. Nepotism strikes again, Fred. Ah, it's dark head rises up. Uh, apparently, he'd been promised uh, a dark match if he got his workers' visa. Uh, he got his workers' visas for for a month, I guess, to do some indie dates and. Uh, Got his dark match, so good for him. Um, I've actually never seen him work before. Um, uh, so I have no real opinions on him, you know, his ability. Uh, but yeah, part of the extended Knight family. Yeah. The... Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, it, Bevis family, work, I guess I should say, but yeah. People work dark matches all the time. It could mean something, it could mean absolutely nothing. Um, this is interesting. Julia Report has not received an offer from AEW and is only considering WWE or stardom. I believe that was from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Correct, yes. Is there any more context here? Because I, I've already seen uh, some people on social media uh, call this sexism and <laughs> because they they offered like big contracts to Bushi and Takeshita, but not Julia. I feel like every situation is different. Like yeah. they did spend the entire early portions of the company trying to push Joshi. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this this is one of those classic observer notes that is like uh, two sentences. Uh, but here's the entire quote from the Wrestling Observer newsletter: "Nothing new on Julia. Past that AEW has never made a serious play for her, and she's had no conversations with AEW and is not considering them." It's WWE or staying in Japan. Yeah, that's that's it. Um, that's the info we have. Um, if Tony Khan has not made her an offer, that's kind of that. That's shitty, man. I don't know what you're doing, man. Like, not as like a bad person thing. Just like, what are we doing as a business? You know. I wonder. I wonder if. Uh she has no interest in that guy back to Tony. So he's just being respectful and not making a play. Uh, perhaps. But I still think you got to reach out and do at least some kind of a, a pitch. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just trying to, yeah. I'm just trying to understand thought process here is all. Yeah. 
Uh, but, you know, I don't, I mean, considering that there was talk earlier this year that they were going to back up a truck of money to Mercedes Monet, I don't really think it's sexist, but I do think it's uh, uh, short sighted or, you know, goofy um, is what I guess I would say. Um, I, I think that the, um, the, you know, we've talked about it all year. The women's division for AW has lots of flaws and, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, this would obviously have helped. Uh, but there's, you know, only so much that talent can do when your creative is either uh, a big spooky off um, or timeless Tony. It's, you know, that's where we are. Um, I Julia is fantastic. She'll be fantastic wherever she goes. Uh, I just worry that she'd get the Yuka Sakazaki uh, and Riho treatment and just like disappear for half, you know, half a year at a time while Sky Blue wrestles every single show available. Good old Sky Blue. Sky Blue, who's now black. Um, do we, are we going to start calling her Sky Black because she seems to be House of Black adjacent? Well, uh, I don't know. That 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 is what really intrigues me here. I'm not I, I think what we really need to be calling her is Sky Boo, because <laughs> she's so scary. <laughs> oh, Fred, that that got me. That was good. That was very good. All right. VOW Secret Santa. We we just finished it up, baby. And by we, I mean like lots of people and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wrote a thing, and you wrote a thing. I uh, I tortured a British person. <laughs> what was uh, your match? I I sent it. Okay, so what I do is I I go through my big ass spreadsheet of anything that people have have reviewed positively on Cage Match, even if it's just one rating that's a seven. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll toss it in this big ass spreadsheet. So I have this massive spreadsheet of shit. And I was looking through for uh, some indie matches from 2000, but I somehow ended up on uh, Kikotaro versus Kushinibo Kamen from 2013. And I was like, God, I have not thought about Kikotaro in a long time. Uh, Why not? Why not use this match? And uh, I'll toss that in there. Sure. Oh, boy. You know, it's like 12 minutes or something. It's not long. It's it's a goofy little match, you know? Just a little little something. Uh, I gave it to Neil David of uh, Eurograps Express. Uh, I may be... Uh, if I'm ever assassinated, please put him towards the top of the list of suspects. Um, did appreciate it. Neil covers uh, British wrestling. He should know bad wrestling by now. <laughs> he wrote a very funny thing about... Uh, the kind of person that would like this match and uh, worth a read. I- I'm just going to say that, like, yeah, I just like different stuff in wrestling. I'm not going to, like, gush about this, but it was a fun little comedy match, I thought. You know? So, fun fact, a couple years ago, I gave, it, it might have been last year, I had Neil. I've had Neil twice. Yeah. Uh, one of the matches I gave him was AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett from 2005 at Hard Justice, which is one of my favorite TNA matches ever. Because AJ overcomes all the BS, Jared shenanigans, wins the title with the spiral tap, hasn't done the move in two years. Really good. His first sentence uh, starts off is like, yeah, this match really isn't for me. (laughs) 
But and then he goes on and, and talks about how it was objectively good. And I'm like, that, that Neil, he is a stupid good writer, and sometimes life just isn't fair. Yeah. Um, my first one that I ever gave was uh, I actually was pretty excited about giving it, and then I gave it to Paul Vosh, and he buried it. But it was um, I it was a forgotten WWF match, which is hard to find. But it was uh, the Steiner Brothers versus Money Inc. from 1993 on the uh, SummerSlam Spectacular, like the show the night before SummerSlam that year in a cage match. And like WWF cage match rules are, are just the dumbest. Uh, but I still thought it was like a pretty good match. I'm not going to like it wasn't notebook level, but it was like, <laughs> all right, sure. Yeah, here's a little... nice three star special. Yeah, yeah, like three and a half stars, maybe three and three quarters if you're feeling generous. Just a little, you know, a little, little taste. <laughs> and he just buried it deep. <laughs> so now I, I am now um, two for three in sending people matches they didn't like <laughs> accidentally. This isn't even a bit I'm doing. I'm not like picking out shit, you know, like, uh, you know, finding the worst matches I can. I'm just like, hey, this is a neat little thing here. I hate it. <laughs> so. What can you do? How was uh and I got um I got Aja Kong and Bison Kimura from nineteen ninety five in AJW. Um uh, I need to watch more uh classic Joshi, but this was a lot of fun. I liked it. Yeah, Aja Kong my, rules. My match was a five way Singapore cane on a pole match from WWE One Night Stand two thousand eight Extreme Rules. Mm. Um I'll be honest, the match kind of stunk. Yeah. But it was psychologically built well, mm-hmm. and it had all pro pass rusher Sean Merriman in the crowd, and he hit Chavo Guerrero so hard with a kendo stick, I thought Guerrero died. <laughs> Remember when he kept like teasing he was going to go into WWE and then never did? Yeah, he probably Merriman. Did. I yeah. mean, I don't know, man. I feel like he would have made some money off that, but it's also you know not easy. So, no. What was uh? What did you gift this year? I gifted a match I was at, and I'm very disappointed that I gave I gifted it to Sean Cedar, a resident uh, Ring of Honor expert uh, for Voice of Wrestling. And I it was a no, it was a match I was at last year. It was uh, Kanosuke Takeshita wrestling at a brewery in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, called Fat Pants. Um, he was wrestling a guy named JDX, who was like kind of canceled, but oh, was he? Canceled. Oh no. Yeah, so he he has like a podcast, I guess, where he gives like advice to like men. And oh no! <laughs> he was he was giving advice on how to like um go after women, and and it was a little too aggressive. And then he just uh, kept doubling and tripling down. Oh no. He was he was basically saying like be, like I think the tone was like just be relentless, don't stop. Oh my god! <laughs> like just the pursuit, not like sure, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like sexually assaulting him or anything, but, but like don't respect him. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So they this promotion ended up cutting ties with him, and I, he took like an eight month hiatus. I don't know if he was hurt or what, but then he just started wrestling again. As a wrestler, he's pretty good. I gave him four and a quarter. It was a it was a nice little live bump. But Sean didn't notice me in the crowd. I was a little disappointed. Um, yeah, it was it was a good show. Uh, just a nice little four and a quarter star indie match with great wrestling. I mean, it's only a twelve foot ring which kind yeah. of thinks, but they made it work really nicely. Well, you know, the plus th- side is they uh, actually booked Takeshi to, to, to wrestle. So, Yeah, and then uh, three days later, it was Quake at the Lake. And Takeshi, I think, was only on a dark match. 
Sounds about right. (laughs) This was was during that weird time with the Keshta. I mean, don't get me wrong, but that was also when Dark was still a thing. So, like, he was getting, like, actual, like, quote-unquote TV time. But, yeah, Quake of the Lake is phenomenal dynamite. And then literally the worst Rampage of all time followed it. That was when uh, um, Sammy Guevara called Eddie Kingston a fat piece of shit. And I think, I I think, well, that was what caused the beef between them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think they edited it it out for TV, but yeah, it was like, whoa. All right. We're now we're cooking with gas. But yeah. Yeah. um, MAW does a lot of shows around here. They, they do like every year they do their big show called grand slam. They put like almost a thousand people in a high school gym. It's a pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool little spot. Now, now, did you say that was one of the worst Dynamites ever? No. One of the worst Rampages ever. Oh, Rampage. Probably the worst. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voice of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast 
Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived. And, and really, the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or, wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door I'm pulling it up now. Um, it was um, August. I want to say it wasn't the eighth because that's my anniversary. It was after the tenth. Hold on, hold on, everybody. I know this is lovely uh, audio. All right, I got it pulled up here. This is a a poorly rated one, and this card, woo, baby. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, we had uh, a, a triple triple ah world mixed tag team title match with Dante Martin and Sky Blue. The fearsome duo we know, all know and love, uh, challenging Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello um, unsuccessfully. Yeah. Uh, Parker Boudreaux killed Sonny Kiss in a minute. Um, the Gun Club defeated Dan Housen and Eric Redbeard. Now, you're, you're burying our Eric Redbeard show, and I can't accept that. I'm Look, sure Eric... Eric Redbeard is fun, and he's a Minnesotan. That's why he gets booked um, a lot of times when AEW comes to Minnesota. He wasn't on the last show, but they also had Julia Hart in the return of the of uh, top flight Dante Martin. So yeah, they didn't really need him per se. But Mm. yeah, Redbeard got a huge pop in the building. I remember that. 
And then the main event was Orange Cassidy defeating Ari Davari in a 12-minute match. Imagine putting Ari Davari in a 12-minute match. And Fun fact, Ari Davari and Ken Anderson uh, have a wrestling school in Minneapolis. Yeah, I thought they did. Um, look, I'm not burying him as a guy. I just, you know, it's a weird main event and... You know, well, you know how those Rampage main events are. Rampage main events True. are not really main events. Um, and then yeah. the Mogul Embassy, or no, it wasn't the Mogul Embassy. What what were those doofuses called at the time? The Firm? The f- no. I don't, was it The Firm? No, Which it was Park, doofuses? Parker Boudreaux. Oh, um, it was the... the God, the... Um, it wasn't Mogul Affiliates yet, was it? No, it was. I can't even remember the name of it now. Um, yeah, whatever those doofuses were called came out and beat beat up Orange Cassidy. Uh, the Trust Busters. Oh, the Trust Busters. Well, All bust, the stars. They busted my trust for believing Rampage was a good show. So, <laughs> got him. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a uh, uh, can't forget a fellow Trust Buster member, uh, Jeeves K also known as VSK. Um, oh, yeah. That dude. Yep. He had more <laughs> anyway. tattoos on his face than I have hair on my head. No, that was no, that was a different guy. That was the former baseball player who, like, wrestled one match. Uh, that was uh, later on. Um, okay. Who, who joined the Mogul Embassy with Parker Boudreaux for, like, two weeks. Um uh okay uh final battle uh i still haven't watched the show i've watched part of it i got through the uh the six man tag which when i saw the very good vikingo uh torus match uh but i haven't watched uh anything else in the show yeah I, i'll be honest i haven't watched anything for final battle um Damn, ev- everything i've heard is that this was a great show my big thing with final battle I, dude this is my busy season i i have to write like 2,000 words on bowl hey, games me, here get it. we're done recording. Like, Final battle will come in time, but I've heard it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the rest. I don't know what I'll get to <laughs> do so, but hopefully sometime soon. But yeah, I'm working on it, taking my time, trying to get there. Um, yeah, so that's the news. Um, Let's talk the AEW TVs. Uh, we're nine days out now, I think. Or, yeah, I think it's nine, maybe. It's yep. Eight. Uh, is it on Sunday? Um, no, uh, it, no, it is eight days out. Yeah. Shit, it's flying by. Yeah. World's End, the next pay-per-view. Um, it is coming up uh, on the 30th. So uh, we got ourselves a week of TVs to talk about. Um Drop some quick thoughts about uh, Rampage from last week. Uh, the Von Eriks, I think I can safely say, are not going to be stars. Um, uh, between what I saw on the pre-show for Ring of Honor and uh, and uh, on their uh, little multi-man tag. They're not bad by you know any real stretch, but they're also not really good. They're serviceable, and I just don't know that they really have... The charisma to overcome that mm-hmm. um but they had a decent match there with uh orange cassidy against 2.0 and jake hager the remnants of the jas um, it was just fun to see to get the the music and mm-hmm. to see uh, oh i'm not burying the booking or anything i'm just saying that long term kevin von eric with the claw yeah that was cool for the texas crowd that's a good pop um 
not very good Anna J red velvet match uh instantly forgivable uh callous family squash um and then we had ourselves a fantastic main event um with top flight and action andretti against uh the lucha trio of vikingo penta and commander uh this was a really fun match and uh I went four and a quarter on it. Some spots didn't go perfectly, but still, I uh, I thought it was really good um, in general and uh, definitely worth your time. Uh, great high-flying stuff in here. I love good high-flying stuff. That's about all I have to say about it. I'm, Fair enough. Overall, it was a, it was a really good... Um, overall, it was a really good collision. I would say it was a really good match on a otherwise pretty mediocre uh, collision or rampage, I should say. Um, but yeah, the the trios match definitely bailed it out. Um, oh, I, I'm stupid. That they're fine. It's all it's all good. It's uh, early or late, one or the other, depending on yeah. how you look at it. Um, as I say this at one thirty p.m., uh, collision itself. Um, well, any thoughts on that on that show? Look, Collision continues to be a really good wrestling show. Um, This is what we thought Collision was going to be. And it's turned into something better. It's dudes are just going on there and fucking wrestling. It's great. I just wish it wasn't on Saturday nights because it's so hard for me to watch live. Yeah, it's. Uh, I always have to watch on Monday or Tuesday, uh, at least the way my schedule's been working recently. Um, yeah. I thought this was really a great show, top to bottom, more or less. Um, I dropped. Uh, it was a. It was a blizzard because so many snows, do- uh, snowflakes were falling down. Um, I went four and a half on Andrade and Claudio. Um, I. Uh, there is a instantly forgettable Abaddon uh, squash, but we got the return of Thunder Rosa, who I did not recognize at first uh, until the announcers like made it clear she was. I missed her sitting at the announce desk, apparently. So uh, that's on me. But yeah, she didn't have the makeup on and she's got blonde hair. And I'm like, that. oh, okay, that I guess that's Thunder Rosa. Um, very different look for her. I guess we'll see what you know she's doing in the future. Um, I thought it was Britt Baker at first. Like, when, yeah, when I didn't they, think it was Baker. I was, I wasn't sure who it was. Well, though. when they shot her from behind, mm-hmm. it gave me Britt Baker vibes. I'm like, Fair. Britt Baker? No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, uh, Thunder Rosa being back is good. Hopefully, the backstage issues. It's been long enough where we can kind of put a lot of that to bed. Obviously, sometimes you just can't put everything to bed. But yeah, hopefully that we can just move forward because. Her in the ring is a positive addition to this women's division that obviously just needs top end players. Yeah, um, she her return is a boon to the company. Uh, it's probably fair to chalk up at least some aspect of her poor performances at the end of her title run towards her back issues. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of impossible to say exactly how much what was playing a role, but. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, she's healthy and ready to go, and uh, we can just get good stuff out of it. Um. 
We also had, uh, as I go to the wrong tab, Big Brain Fred, we had Brian Keith and Orange Cassidy, which was a very nice match. Uh, not notebook, but I went three and three quarters. Uh, I thought it was a fun one. Uh, a little uneven, you know, like, you know, there are a couple spots where you could tell that they were kind of like making sure they were on the same page, which isn't terrible. But um, we had a extremely awkward uh, Rod- Roderick Strong segment with Commander. Uh, Commander obviously doesn't know what to say. The whole second language thing probably didn't help out there. And Roddy just does his shtick and uh, to set up the match on Dynamite. We are so uh, close to Roddy being away from the shitty gimmick. We are so close. Are we? Are we? I'm not really sure we are that far. The only thing that's changed is he's not in a wheelchair. I don't, well, look at how he's wrestling. He's wrestling like he wants to. He is wrestling, people. but like he's still doing all the other shit, you know? I can deal with going, Adam, if he just continues right. to be an ass kicker in the ring. That end of heartache on Commander, I mean, we're jumping the ship a little bit here, was one of the coolest finishers I've ever seen. It was very well done. Um, I, I did, uh, that was excellent. Um, let's see. Uh, we got a big house of black pre tape and whatever, uh, spooky bullshit. Uh, the, the women's death match division has returned Tyler. Um, easily the best part of like the past year of, uh, AW's women's division is when they go into street fight territory. Uh, and, uh, look, this was kind of a plunder match, but it was, I thought a really good one. It wasn't just, I will hit you with something, waste time for 20 seconds, and then hit you with something else. They busted their asses here. Uh, Diamante and Mercedes Martinez are legit workers. And, I mean, obviously, Chris and Willow are, too. But, like, you know, you got to put over the the lower card people here mm-hmm. for their work. Um, I do hope that they have solidified their spot in... Uh, in the pecking order, because they deserve some kind of spot, Diamante and Mercedes. Uh, but this yeah. was... Uh, I went four and a quarter on it. I thought it just ruled. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, like, just make the women's division deathmatch division. Like, it's so good when they do deathmatch. It just is. Like, they do other good stuff too, but there's so much that's not good. It would be great well, if they deathmatch division. Speaking of, they went immediately from that death match to Tony Storm doing a promo. Um, I think this is uh... Yeah. Um, on the one hand, you've got these great violent matches where people are beating the shit out of each other, and then you got this, I guess, comedy, frankly, though, uh, you know, uh, they always forget the jokes. <laughs> no jokes. Um, yeah. Uh, Copeland Cage uh, pre-tape with Adam cutting a promo. That's pretty good. Brian Cage, squash guy. Uh, Keith Lee uh, calls out Swerve backstage. Okay, I'm not opposed to it. But, you know, on the one hand, like, Swerve should be getting elevated into the world title picture now. Like, it should be happening imminently. And no offense to Keith Lee, but it's pretty clear that's a step back, you know. It's it's not close to the world title picture. Uh, unless it's just, like, Swerve beating him and then immediately moving on. It's just, like, a one-month, you know, spacing thing. Uh, but secondly, like, why the hell have we waited so long to come back to this feud? 
It's a great you know, question. Like we, we never even, it never had a blow off in the first place. You can't even say this is like two old bitter rivals that had their wars and then have bumped into each other again are going to go back at it. They never had the wars. <laughs> they had the turn. And then like, I, I think Keith Lee had some health issues, but still like they just completely let that die out. Um, so I guess, you know, you can point to the health issues, but still it just seems like the wrong time. Um, I'm not opposed to it in general, but I just don't know if, you know, this is the, this is when, what Swerve should be doing at this point in time. But then we got the last two, uh, kind of no classic matches. So Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia, um, which was fun. It wasn't as great as I hoped it would be, but it was a good match. I went four flat on it. Um, so about right. Yeah. Bottom of the rung, uh, uh, notebook, um, you know, I, I like the Daniel Garcia storyline of him losing and being frustrated by it. I hope he also loses his last match because I think that will just boost the storyline further. Um, and Eddie stays alive with this win. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we got Brian Danielson and Brody King and what very well could have been the match of the tournament um, to date. Uh, this was great. Uh, Brian Danielson is, uh, kind of a forgotten, uh, uh, in-ring wrestler of the year. And there's a couple guys pitching him as a, uh, Fez Flair, like an overall MVP guy. I just don't know that he's been important enough to qualify for that. I think I'm still le- leaning Mystico for his CM- CMLL performances uh as well as drawing the one house for aw and also uh single-handedly turning around the denver Broncos season um <laughs> but but this match ruled this was fantastic I went four and three quarter on it. i loved it yeah i went four and a half just it's everything you want man everything you want in wrestling yeah great um, great stuff yeah he's uh and Brody King has looked so awesome in this tournament. I hope that he continues to be like a featured guy going forward. Uh, I think of all the people in the tournament, he is the one that has benefited the most. And also he is the one that needs to not be forgotten immediately after it's over. Um, they can't like just have him go back to being the big guy in house of black. He's got to keep being a dude. And, uh, he is a hundred percent a dude. I love the, the 3.1 kick out in this match. That worked fantastic. Um, this rolled. Freddie King rules. I love this company, man. That was it, a great it, collision. I mean, it really was. Um, we're we're so back. Uh, we're kind of back. Dynamite. I lost the feeling. You know, we're going to keep talking about re- restore the feeling. The, the feeling got unrestored a little bit on Dynamite. Uh, but it was surrounded by a lot of great stuff. So um, do you have any other collision thoughts before we move on? No. Um, good show. Good show. So we got Dynamite. It opened with Roosh versus Swerve Strickland. Um, I love Roosh. Roosh is fantastic. Um, I, I don't know if he doesn't have a storyline. Did you see where he tweeted and uh, kind of like tried to launch his own storyline possibly? Um, oh, hey, Good. Shoot, yeah, and that angle. is not a problem for me. <laughs> Look, at, uh, at least he's not posting um, him kicking the shit out of Bandito after Ring of Honor Final Battle, yeah, and posting all of Final Battle to his own YouTube account. 
I think he called out like every other faction of the company. Uh, like House of Yes, he called out uh, the BCC, Mogul Embassy, and Bullet Club Gold. God bless. So, cla- classic, classic lucha. Working my own angle, going to spread it as fa- as far as I can, so I can get something out of this. And this is not a knock. I love it. I genuinely love it. Um, but this match was really good. Uh, Swerve Strickland, I've been saying all year, he is like a future world champion. And I think he's just really solidified that ever since the, the Hangman Page match. Uh, but I like this match a lot. Four and a quarter. Um, just some really brutal stuff in here. And uh, Swerve, you know, was great. And um, love this match. Yeah, I went. I think I went four flat. Just awesome stuff. Uh, Roosh one the one count kickout on the stomp was tremendous. Um, he got up just like a, a huge ball of fire. And yeah. Eventually, Swerve did get him, but I thought it was just tremendous. Um, Swerve is, in my opinion, the best wrestler right now in the company. Him and Brian Danielson. It's push him to the moon, please. Give Samoa Joe his title and get him in your title lineage. Then have Swerve beat him at Revolution. That's, what, that's yeah, all yeah. Joe doesn't need a long title run. Um, he's just Samoa Joe. He will always be a threat, and he doesn't need to carry the belt for six months to prove that. You know, we especially after this MJF reign of terror. Um, no, but I will say, seeing Samoa Joe carry it for a year, just beating the living piss out of people, be pretty fun. It would be. Would not complain. Uh, that would be some some feeling restoration right there. Um, Jericho backstage, we had a, a pre uh, actually a live promo I think backstage where he talked about Omega being in the hospital for diverticulitis. Said uh, the Golden Jets will resume. We're all pulling for you. Uh, he messed up Kenny Omega's catchphrase. That was so good. He's like, "Good night, and goodbye." Bang. <laughs> Honestly. I, I got us. I hope that was intentional because the vibes I got off this promo, while all, sincere, was also like, uh, you know, uh, kind of an insincere heel setting up a future turn. And I actually think it'd be a great storyline if, um, you know, once Omega's healthy, they go after the tag belts and lose. Omega takes the fall, and Jericho turns on him immediately after because you know he doesn't want to work with a loser. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't want that. You know why I don't? Want I do. That? You know, you know why I don't want that? Because the Bucks are just going to be like, "I told you so," and they're going to well, be snarmy about it, and that's just going to annoy me. Well, that's kind of their role, I think, at this point in time, is to annoy you. So, mission accomplished. It sounds like. Um, Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe had themselves a nice match. Went four flat on it. Uh, Mark Briscoe is so cool. Um, He's just a great performer. Uh, Jay Lethal, Lethal uh, had probably his best performance since, you know, the last, uh, the big emotional Mark Briscoe return match. Um, but I thought this really rocked. Um, there was a point where Briscoe did the Topicon hero off the uh, the chair to the floor and, uh, and then immediately grabbed a fan's hat and wore it, which was pop me damn good uh, i love mark briscoe so much I, know. I hope he gets like something real to do coming out of this but i also think they're setting up a storyline here where uh jay lethal is going to do a face turn and depending on just how much they push him they uh this could be uh good um 
One thing I want yeah. to point out, um, they mentioned on commentary, and I thought this is very interesting, that this is almost like Mark Briscoe's rookie year as a singles guy because he's essentially been a tag team wrestler for the majority of his career. And yeah. using that as part of the story and then him getting the win, I didn't realize that a modified Burning Hammer was a singles finisher. Yep. Um, so seeing that and then the J-Driller I thought was really odd, but now I get it. It makes sense. Um, yeah. Look, I don't know what kind of ceiling Mark Briscoe has, but it's higher than what he's currently at. And I'm okay with how they've kind of worked him in, um, get him into the canon, get him involved in some uh, some storylines. And because you don't want to just push him all the way to the, the tippy top and do the Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero thing. You, It's got to feel real. Um, whatever your final destination for uh, Mark Briscoe is. And, uh, he's been in, involved and he's been treated well. And I think that's just a net positive for the company uh, as a whole, both um, from a perception standpoint, because we know CM Punk decided to come to AEW because of how they uh, handled the Brody, the death of Brody Lee. But mm-hmm. it's also good for on television from a character standpoint, because people are really invested now in Mark Briscoe. Yeah. Not just uh, like sympathy invested. Really legit invested. invested. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's definitely standing on his own. And, uh, I mean, he's a great performer. He should be, you know, some level of guy in this company. Um, if, you know, I honestly thought, I don't have anything to confirm this, uh, but I thought that he was supposed to be Claudio for the World Championship back in July in Ring of Honor. Um, I, I think that uh, that was just me reading the booking tea leaves, but I thought that would have been, like, the perfect booking. And, um, you know, he got injured. They had to cancel the match. So now he's, you know, we've got Eddie Kingston as the world champion. They could obviously do like a face versus face thing there, but it would be different circumstances than, you know, being the guy to beat the the heel monster champ. Um, but I do wish that, I do think that he could easily slot into that spot if they're ready to take the belt off of, uh, well, obviously the, the belt is going to be part of the American Triple Crown now. What am I talking about? Um my, my smooth brain coming into action here finally. Uh, but, you know, he could be in that circumstance, I guess. I, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out. It's to be seen. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Brisk is great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about several things off the show for, you know, going to combine them all together here because it's kind of the next two segments. Uh, we had a Wardlow pre-tape talking about how he's, you know, he is the, the good person and he's going to kill MJF, right? And then we had, uh, we had um, the big, the next segment in the the mystery, um, the who who is uh, the devil bullshit. Um, you know, we had MJF and Samoa Joe argue, and then uh, the putty soldiers from uh, Power Rangers came out, and uh, you know they they got beat up by the the guys, and then uh, we got a. Uh, the devil on the screen to say, you know, basically challenge them for the ring of honor world tag team championship next week. Um, and then later in the show, so we've got all this going on. So MJF's got his Samojo storyline, his devil storyline. He's got the Wardlow storyline. And then he has a big confrontation with, uh, with Swerve Strickland. This whole thing was weird, but at least it was cohesive and made sense. Um, I don't want any of this, but at least 
that them accusing each other of being the devil and the rationale behind it, at least like, okay, I can see that. I don't give a shit, but I can see yeah. it. Like, I'm just going to be glad when the devil's finally revealed and we can move on to whatever next level bullshit this is. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say we did have a segment on here where, uh, MJF was inducted into the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame and talked about how important it is to combat uh, anti-Semitism. And then, like, half an hour later was making fun of Swerve Strickland for wearing a grill. Um, extremely weird stuff there. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't like the storyline. I And I, I think that MJF is kind of coming off as, uh, you know, the, there was jokes about... Um, Chris Jericho earlier this year being a heat vulture. Uh, I think that's what uh, MJF kind of is to me coming across as. Uh, I think he's uh, he's inserting himself into everything. It feels like if anyone's getting hot, he's like, oh, I got to be part of this too. Um, he did it with the acclaimed uh, well after their peak, but still. Um, and like, I just, I don't know. I am exhausted by this stuff. Um MJF is talented, but if he is responsible for booking all this, then uh, well, he ain't exactly uh, Ric Flair, you know, booking uh, stuff in early 90s WCW to make other guys look good. Uh, MJF is just, uh, I think everything he has touched has made everyone worse around him this year, unfortunately. And it sucks because I think he's extremely talented, but this has been a, a rough year, in my opinion, for the uh, the MJF experience. I want MJF to go back to doing territory bullshit. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just desperately needs a heel turn. Um, it's rough, man. It's not good. Um Let's see. Uh, Rocky and Orange got set up for Rampage tonight. Riho versus Soraya. Um, I did not think this was very good. Um, I, th- I don't think Soraya is a good wrestler in the ring right now. Um, but I thought that, uh, this was, um, below average. It was kind of a disappointment, um, with Riho involved, who I think is generally pretty good. Um, and of course we had Tony Storm on, uh, on, uh, commentary, um, I don't as uh, Odie snoozles in the background. Oh, you can hear that. Oh yeah. How can I not? <laughs> it's not even that loud. Oh, it's oh. super loud over here. <laughs> Odie, you made the podcast. You a good boy. Yeah. You're what, good. what a guy. Um, <laughs> So after this match, we get Luther carrying Tony down to the ring. She gets in the ring, and then she looks at Riho with opera glasses. That's very funny, Tyler. No, it's fucking stupid. Good I, lord. I'm sure it's extremely funny. God. God. This, this, well, we're going to do an award show next week, and we're going to have a discussion about what the worst storyline is and was in 2023 for AEW, but... Uh, I I think it's a real interesting debate between this and uh, the Bro Chacho line. Um, you know what? It's going to be the Bro Chachos. It's going to 100% be the Bro Chachos. You sure? You know what Tony Storm hasn't done? 
eat spicy Chinese food. She has eaten bananas with the peel on because she's just she's so loves. wacky. It's like that's fine. Well, look now I have to like her. Uh, <laughs> don't make me defend people putting mayo in their coffee, please. I don't deserve this. Uh, I like the bit with Tony Schiavone reading the uh, the statement from uh, from Christian Cage. That was a good bit. Um, uh, let's see, Commander versus Roderick Strong. I thought it was pretty good, three and a half, but not uh, not great. And then we had uh, Roddy screaming about Max being the devil, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, sure was. Um, oh, we got all the jobbers for AEW. Like, they're lowest card people putting over the new Aquaman movie. <laughs> and, like, it's just very funny who they had to do it. I think the most protected person in that group was maybe Christopher Daniels. Um, I don't know, man. It was something. And then we have the main event of Jay White and John Moxley, and I thought this was, uh, a strong match, but not a like a really high level one. It's actually a little disappointing. It felt kind of not quite disjointed, but like slower than it needed to be, which is a, a common Jay White issue. But I did end up going four stars on this. It was still good. The the closing stretch was very strong, um, and uh, you know uh, Jay White got the upset with the Blade Runner. Setting up a three triple threat match, a three way match. Uh, and look, as as WWE ish as AEW has been this year, it's a triple threat match right now. Uh, Swerve Strickland versus Jay White versus uh, John Moxley for the uh, spot in the finals next week. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know what? Did anybody want this to turn into a three way? No. But I'll tell you this: I like that it did because. Now, all of a sudden, you are establishing precedent that what tiebreakers are, hey, it can be a three-way match. Like, it's for those of us who are like nerds about this stuff, I, I like that. Like, the, if you still can't figure out what a point-based tournament is, you're, you're hopeless. But for the rest of us, I think this is really cool. It's establishing what could happen. Now you never have to do it again because you can always tease it. And yeah. I, I think that's great. Also, yeah. the match was very good with Mox and Jay White. Um, I gave it, uh, I gave it four and a quarter. My favorite was Swerve comes out and Jay White keeps trying to go over to Mox, but the ref keeps pushing back and Mox gets closer to Swerve, and then White sneaks in and chop blocks him. Yeah, that's awesome. uh, that's good character work for him. Yeah, that was the week that was in AWTV. Uh, any additional thoughts? Anything I missed? No. Um, I hope we get a very Merry Christmas by a Samoa Joe title win at World's End. Yes, that uh, I think we're all kind of rooting for that at this point in time. But uh, I do remember the big SRS report that we're going to find out who the devil is at World's End. I was like, I fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like we've been building to this for the entire year, and it's the obvious uh, lie, you know, setup. But all right. <laughs> um, What's your yeah. devil prediction? Oh, God. I, I guess Jack Perry. Um, my real prediction is I don't care. <laughs> That's not a this prediction. That's such an awful storyline. The storyline has sucked so much. Oh, this is like Sherlock Holmes, but if everyone was stupid. <laughs> yeah, just 
dumbest mystery ever. Um, Listen, we're going to end it on that because murder on the board express. You can't get any better than that. Um, Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun things. And that's an easy way to help us out. There is a donation link in the show notes. If you want to buy Fred or I a nice beverage for this holiday season. And listen, if you are, uh, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a Merry Monday afternoon, uh, evening and morning, all the, all the times. And if afternoon, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Bang. We'll see you for, uh, the heat check next week. Winnipeg jets. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations... Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.